You are listening to How Does She Do It, episode 23. Welcome to the ride. Thank you for listening to another episode of How Does She Do It, a podcast dedicated to sharing practical insight and honest perspective on being grown. My name is Tiffany and I am your host, and I am grateful that you are listening to me today. This is going to be one of the Just My Thoughts episodes, so there won't be anything too, well, there will be deep topics covered, but um, it'll just be about things related to current events. But before we get into this week's show, I want to let you know the show notes for this week's episode will be available at howdoesshedoitpodcast.com slash 23. You can follow the show on the Twitters and the Instagrams at howdoes underscore she do it. And you can also join the email list if you go to the website, howdoesshedoitpodcast.com. You will see a pop-up and then you can join the email list there. We also have a Facebook page. I have a Facebook page since it's really just me, but I say we because we're a community. But there's a Facebook page if you go to facebook.com slash howdoesshedoitpodcast. And there I post sometimes articles and things that I come across or thoughts that I have or little images or videos um, that I come across between episodes. So you should check it out there, comment, join the community. And as always, if you have questions that you want answered during the hashtag ask Tiff segment, I did, um, I answered one during last episode was about travel. Um, it was a pretty useful, uh, question that I think a lot of people can benefit from. Um, but you can send your comments, your thoughts, your questions to Tiffany at how does she do it podcast.com. And I'm happy to answer your questions both via email as well as on the show. And I have an announcement for my Android booze. I think I mentioned a few, probably a few episodes ago that Google Play was going to be adding podcasts to their little uh, directory and repertoire. And so I got an email this week that confirmed that How Does She Do It is available on Google Play Music. Now, it was very clear not to be confused with the Google Play Store, which I think is for apps, but there's Google Play Music, which sounds like the Android version of iTunes. So go to Google Play Music. You should be able to find the show there if you just search for How Does She Do It. It is a gradual rollout, so it's possible that if you do try to look for it in, the Google, in Google Play Music that you might not see it right away, but keep checking. And in the meantime, you can listen to the show directly if you go to the website, howdoesshedoitpodcast.com, you can click play. There's a little player that's convenient, um, and you can play it on your mobile device or on your computer. And you can also access the show via Stitcher or an app called Acast. And you can actually use Acast on the web as well. I am not going to be using SoundCloud uh, probably anymore just because I don't like getting squeezed from my paper. I don't appreciate them. Um, limiting all this, you know, the download space and the minutes per episode. I don't have time for all that. So <laughs> unfortunately, SoundCloud, I think the most recent episode that's up there is episode 17. So if you are just coming to the show, you can listen through, listen to um, the episodes from before that on SoundCloud. But otherwise, I would say you should go straight to the website, howdoesshedoitpodcast.com, check out Stitcher, check out Acast, download it in the podcast store, or check it out on Google Play Music. And I'm hype. 
I'm always a little bit hype, but anyway. And last but not least, I am always grateful for your five-star ratings and reviews. So please, if you have not left me a review, please go to the iTunes store and do so. Or you can do it on um, Stitcher or Acast, or you can send me an email and let me know how you are enjoying the show. But um, the iTunes store is pretty great and I really I keep saying it's not the iTunes store it's the podcast app on the on the iPhone but um please go there leave a review and I will continue to read them on the show as long as I have them so I'll be reading one at the end of this episode so for this just my thoughts episode there are so many things there are always so many things going on in the world and um but I'm going to talk about a few things specifically. But before I get into the what I had in mind initially, apparently Donald Trump won the vote, the the delegates in New York's primary this week. And, you know, if you live in a state that has not yet had its primary election, please don't let this man win delegates in your state. And my guess is that if you're listening to this show, there's a a strong likelihood that you're not voting for Donald Trump. But if you are, um, I do judge you a little bit, but we are in America. We are allowed to exercise our political uh, beliefs in a variety of ways. Therefore, you're entitled to vote as you should. However, people shouldn't want to vote for Donald Trump because he's not a very, he's not a good guy. He's not a good guy. And I won't say very much more about that. But, um, I was on Facebook today and did see a very, very funny video of Bernie Sanders. Um, apparently, I think this is on Ellen Tube, and I actually have some beef with Ellen, so this would be a, a decent segue. But Ellen, Ellen Tube, the video of Bernie Sanders was hotline burn, and <laughs> exactly, if you if you have seen Drake's hotline bling video, then you can only imagine how funny it is that. Bernie Sanders is now doing all of the things that Drake is doing in that video. And it is, it was pretty, pretty hilarious. There was one point where I will say he looked like legit, like he looked like he had rhythm, like he knew what he was doing. Um, but it, it was very funny. But that being said, let's talk about a, a, a bit of a, a snag that Ellen hit a couple, I think it may have been maybe two weeks ago. Um, And I learned about this on a podcast that I listened to called Race Relations, and I'll talk a little bit more about them lately. But apparently, um, Ellen now has a gap aligned with Gap Kids, which she has become this crazy empire in the last like three to four years. She's just exploded and has been all over the place. So as far as her business acumen and the people who are around her, she's doing the right thing. Unfortunately, in this instance, there was there were they released a new ad for Gap Gap Kids, and they had these these four little girls in this commercial, three white girls and a black girl, and Ellen was interviewing these girls in the commercial. Now the 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 picture or interviewing them in a video, and the image for the the image for the ad was included the two two girls one was doing a handstand one was doing some other little flip thing and the taller girl had her hand had her arm resting on the head of the black girl and immediately it kind of evokes this 
what is what is this? Why is this happening? So the salon posted a question in an article that talked about it, asking if it was racist or a bad PR move. My question is why why is there an or there? Because if something is racist and a company does it, it is therefore a bad PR move, period. So it's not a question of, it's not really a question. I, I, I think I might see what they were trying to do, but if you have to ask if it's racist, the answer is yes, it's a bad PR move. That being said, Gap or someone on, someone posted a picture of an ad from that the Gap put out, Gap Kids put out a few years ago that had a black girl with her arm on the head of a white girl. And so it raises this question, you know, is the ad, and you know, even before you, you know, kind of learn about that other ad, is this image of this black, of this white girl with her head, her arm resting on the head of a black girl, is it a racist image? My, I would say no. Is it insensitive and stupid? Yes. I think it's a, it's a, it's represents, if nothing more, the, the, how easy it is for people who lack cultural sensitivity and cultural awareness to not see something that can be blatantly obvious to other people. And so when you have, and this is why it is important for a diversity of thoughts to be present in the workplace and at all levels of the workplace, because if you have people of color or people who have been identified as a minority in some way, shape or form, or people who have been, who do not fit into the, the majority privileged stereotype of this country in a room reviewing those, those photos and that ad, someone might say, I would hope, you know, mm, this, I don't think we should use this image. And not necessarily because it is the intent, not the, the intention behind it was probably was, I'm assuming was probably pure and fine, but it's the, it's not about the intention. It's about the outcome. And so, you know, if you don't mean to punch somebody in the face, but you accidentally punch them in the face, you not meaning to punch them in the face doesn't mean that they don't now have a black eye. And it's like, oh, you know, you, it's, it's, it's fine. I have a black eye now, even though you didn't mean to give me a black eye. No, if you, you have, it, it's important that companies of all types of companies take into account and make more of a deliberate effort to have other people, other voices in the room. And this is something that is a challenge and a problem at, in all areas of this country, all industry. And I mean, you see it, I talked about Zoe, the, the movie, um, depicting Nina Simone's part of Nina Simone's life entitled Nina and Zoe Saldana is playing, uh, is playing Nina Simone and all of the things that happened. If there was someone in the room who had more sensitivity and who could raise the fact that this is a problem, then those voices get, those voices can get heard and things like this don't happen. So of course, Gap pulls the ad. Um, but I, I have to say, Ellen, I'm, uh, I'm a little disappointed. And to go further, what added fuel to the fire, I think, is that in the video that surfaced of Ellen interviewing these girls, the three, there were, again, the three white girls and one little black girl. The black girl was off to the side. She was not engaged in, Ellen did not engage her, rather, in the conversation at all, at least in the clip that was aired. And so I will I will caveat by saying, or caveat by saying, as someone who now edits audio, 
you don't, it is possible that we missed or they edited out part of the interaction that Ellen may have had with this black girl to, okay, let's assume that why was it edited out and why was the finished product something that it had this girl looking off to the side and kind of downcast. I did further digging to see other images of this, of the girl and other videos of the whole cast interacting and the girl looked happy and she was, you know, so it, it's, it, this is, you know, I don't know. Ellen, make sure this doesn't happen again. Gap, stop doing ads with girls putting their arms on the on the heads of other girls' armrests, period. Black, white, purple, green, blue. Don't do it. Not a good look. Just find something else to do with her arms. Fold them to the side. Like, put it behind her head. Do something different. Be creative. But don't do that again. So this is a, a big time in American history where people are beginning to challenge the literal institutions that exist and that are kind of heralded as or held as very American, very historical, very important to this country. So I learned recently that there was a a protest that happened at Princeton back in November related to the name of the school for public policy as well as a residential college. And this protest happened back in November, but the um, decision related to na- changing the name of this building came was released um, last week, I believe. And so the building and the public, the school of public policy are named after Woodrow Wilson. Now there, I don't know a lot about Woodrow Wilson. I'm not going to lie. Um, I tend to have this belief or bias that people who are from a certain time, unless I know otherwise, probably had some challenging beliefs related to the institution of slavery related to Jim Crow, related to black people and minorities in this country. So that being said, the Black Justice League on Princeton's campus um, protested the name of this building and said that it needed to be changed from honoring Wood or these two buildings um, from honoring Woodrow Wilson, because apparently Woodrow Wilson had uh, issues. He kind of praised the KKK. He opposed the admission of black students to Princeton at some point, um, according to the article that I read. And so that's a bit of a challenge. So this brings up this a very interesting conversation because from what basically the idea is that, so actually before I get into that, the university and the board of trustees who made this decision, they decided that they would not be changing the name of the building. And here is what they said, and quote, the university needs to be honest and forthcoming about its history. This requires transparency in recognizing Wilson's failings and shortcomings, as well as his visions and achievements that led to the naming of the building and the college in the first place, end quote. So I guess depending on your your beliefs and depending on where you stand, the, I, the characterization of um, 
of praising the KKK and opposing the admission of black students to Princeton as quote unquote failings and shortcomings, to me, it kind of, it downplays that a little bit. And I do agree with the fact that there greater transparency is needed in this country because there are a lot of people who, whose names are on buildings, whose names are, whose universities are named after them. Um, there are statues of people, of Confederate soldiers in town squares and all of these things. And people don't know the full story. And that is because this country, the, the history of this country has been written and skewed and therefore taught in a way that mischaracterizes and downplays and, and often omits the true story of the history of both people and institutions and the way this country developed. So when you think about actually listen to a podcast um, a few months ago, I think it was might have been a story on This American Life, and there was a doctor who is who's recognized as being a leading, a leader, a thought leader, and a pioneer in the field of um, gynecological surgery, and he used to perform his surgery and perfect his technique on black women, on slaves. And so, you know, and so that's, and that's something that a lot of people don't know, but his name is on textbooks. There are probably medical, you know, parts of medical schools named after him. He probably have pictures of him hanging in halls, but there's not a little asterisk next to his name and say, by the way, he did these things. And so I guess the question has become, and this question again was sparked by the conversation that I, I heard on um, the podcast Race Relations, is where do, how far do we go in this country as far as sort of sweeping the history? And, and do we change the names of all of the buildings? Do we take down the statues? Do we get rid of the, all of the statues? My belief is that it's, it's like yes and no, because I think that it obviously will be very burdensome. However, the burden of people not knowing true history and the burden of people who know the history being constantly reminded of the of the racism, of the, the abuse, of the mistreatment, of the, uh, you know, second class citizenship by having names, by having places named after um, some of these, you know, historical figures, it is, it's traumatizing and it is, and it's not fair and it's incomplete and it's inaccurate. So for example, I went to Cornell University and Cornell has has a, a, a I'm not sure if I mean it's I, no other name it would be called, but it's called the plantation Cornell plantations, and I believe that there is a has a decision has been made to rename or there's a proposal or there's a request to rename that. But I remember feeling visceral, a visceral reaction every time I saw that name or, or heard about it or heard it because the word plantation in my mind immediately evokes a memory of evokes history the stories. Of slavery, period. And so for institutions to not find that offensive, it is a it's a it's it's hugely problematic. And we can go to another, you know, great American institution called Harvard, Harvard Law School, that has a similar problem. There was a similar request. There are still issues with the student body, um, or still um discussions with the student body and um at ha at Harvard Law School that requested that the crest that is used to symbolize and to, that represents Harvard Law School be taken down. Why? Because the crest is a, the seal, it's now known as a seal, is 
is was used as the family crest of a notorious slave owner. And so the slave owner, <laughs> the family crest of this slave owner became the seal of Harvard Law School. Why? Because this slave owner ha- made the endowment that established the law school. And so do you see what you see what is what's happening like literally the the history and the institution of slavery is baked into this country. It is baked into our history. It is baked into the buildings we walk into. Like um, and almost literally. And when you can when you think about that and when you when it can be just for year, for for however many years Harvard Law School has been around, I don't know, um, probably hundreds at this point, um, that this this symbol has been, you know, at the forefront of its representation of its identity, and and so the law school has decided that it will remove the seal and it will change the seal, but then the now the the bigger question becomes, are we now are is are these is the attempt to take the seal down just the easiest way to kind of get these conversations to be quieted is it the easiest way to say well let's give them this let's give these students this and not really work on the actual institutional and other systematic and structural things that create that allow for something like this to even happen in the first place. And I had a conversation with one of my friends yesterday and what she proposed, what we talked about was the idea that the, when you think about the Harvard law school example, specifically the money is the reason why this school was able to be established. And the money was connected to this, um, you know, to this endowment to therefore being able to, um, established the law school. And when you think about donations to universities, in order to have a building named after you, after at a university, there is argument, of course, that there's some, um, you know, you obviously have to have a certain level of achievement and notoriety, but money comes along with that too. Like there are building campaigns that you think about the church building fund. um, (laughs) But there are campaigns that literally, in order to have a building named after you, you got to donate something like $25 million. And the people that tend to have these kinds of dollars tend to be not minorities, tend to be white Americans. Ex with the, I will shout out the brother whose name I cannot remember but who donated a substantial amount of money to the Cornell Engineering School specifically towards making sure and increasing the diversity and providing resources to women and to students of color at engineering uh, who are interested in engineering careers at Cornell University, and I think that that's fly. But you don't see that or you don't hear about that very often. Not to say it doesn't happen, but we don't hear those stories very often. And so it, it's just it just makes you really think about how everything, how this country's history and relationship to slavery and its current relationship to race and racism, it really permeates so many different areas of our lives. And for people to say that it is, that is not the case, again, of course, as you all very know, you know, it it blows my mind. But now in, to transition to something that happened actually just today, as of this recording, um, in speaking of the institutions and the and the kind of system of this country, everyone knows that when you look at money, 
uh, with the exception, I think, of the dollar coin that stopped that was that's no longer in um, in in production. Um, all the money has men on it, and all the men are white. And today, the treasure, the secretary of the treasury or the treasury secretary, uh, Jacob Liu, announced that Harriet Tubman will replace Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill. Now, that to me is, is like my, I, I have so many feelings. I have so many thoughts about that, but it is extraordinary. It is going to, I think, upset a lot of people. Um, and I am actually kind of looking forward to see how people show themselves when it comes to um, what this might look like. Now, in addition to Harriet Tubman, Tubman being the face of the $20 bill, um, there will be women and civil rights leaders who will be added to the $5 and $10 bills. So the $10 bill on the back is going to be replaced with an image of the, shout out to Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, the 1913 Women's, Suff- Women's Suffrage March. Um, and there will be portraits of Lucretia Mott, Sojourner Truth, which is, I mean, just amazing. Elizabeth Katie Stanton, Stanton, Alice Paul, and Susan B. Anthony will be on the back of the $10 bill. Uh, on the flip side of the five, so this is going to be back again on the back. Lincoln's going to still be on the front. There will be a, a backdrop of the 1939 performance of Marian Anderson at the Lincoln Memorial. And Marian Anderson is a classical, is a black classical singer. Um, and Eleanor Roosevelt will also be on the back of the $5 bill, along with Martin Luther King. And all of these people have a connection to the Lincoln Memorial specifically. But the idea that these women and these black people are going to be on these bills is just it's it's a huge. And again, please note that this the final design will not be released until or revealed until 2020. And I think there's still several years after that before they actually go into mint and make it into circulation. So we're still a ways away from actually seeing these bills. And I pray that something doesn't derail this plan and this process um, in the meantime. But the fact that like I never even thought about the possibility of a woman being on money, right? Like it just never, or or like wanting something like that because it never seemed real or never seemed like something to think about. And then the idea that a black person could be on money, you make little jokes about stuff like that, but you, I never, it just doesn't seem, it didn't seem like feasible. And, and it's, this is a, this is both very symbolic and very powerful at the same time, because you think about, you hold money, American money in your hand, and you don't necessarily look and study the money every day, but it sends a message when you can, it's a subliminal message, the same way when you can see images of beauty that are portrayed that are not saying, you know, that's not saying light skinned is the best or white skin is the best, but you only see images of white people. You only see images of light skinned people depicted as beautiful in our movies and on our television screens and in our commercials. Thankfully, that is changing. But when you only see histor- these historical white male figures on your money, it sends a subliminal, it sends a, a, a subconscious message. And now that message literally can shift and we can begin to, we like we, people of color need 
addition need these kinds of things because we don't get to be front and center. We don't get to have um, the things that everybody else gets to have. And so the fact that this is even a proposal to me symbolizes something pretty great. And, um, you know, like I said, I'm trying not to be cynical and trying not to think negatively that this actually won't come to fruition. My hope is that it does. I do believe that this country, which will soon become a majority minority country in the next several years, it is important that people of color see themselves and women see themselves reflected in all corners. And so to be able to look at a $20 bill and see Harriet Tubman's heroic and historic face, like I just, I'm, I'm just, it's, it's almost, if for some reason I, the humbling is the word that comes to mind, even though this is not, this is not about me and it, but it's just like, wow, how this is pretty phenomenal. This is pretty phenomenal, and there are things that are happening right now in this country that people couldn't even imagine years ago. And when you think about the fact that we are in the last several months of the second term of the first African-American black man president of the United States of America, it's pretty crazy. And um, Huffington Post has been doing these videos on, I've been seeing them on Facebook about the last things that are happening in the presidency. And so the one I saw most recently was about his the last science fair that they hold at the White House, which I didn't even know they held the science fair at the White House. But, um, you know, he's just like embracing these kids and that he's just telling them to come in and give him a group hug. And he's just so warm. And if, you know, for whatever you think about his politics, if you don't recognize and appreciate how he is he relates so differently to the to people and the human condition and the human experience than I can than any president that I can remember in my memory. And that includes Bill Clinton, who was, you know, praised as this, you know, charismatic guy, but Bill Clinton was shady, right? President Obama, it's a, it's in my perspective and from I think what you can see objectively is an upstanding, warm, genuine, genuinely great human being. And I think Michelle Obama, I, I mean, I just think she's also phenomenal. And um, I'm trying not to get sad and think about the fact that they will not be our president and uh, first lady in, in, you know, this time next year. And it's pretty whack. But um, that being said, I want to I want to go back to something I started talking about earlier. The reason why I um, I came across the, the article that I, when I talked about uh, Princeton and the renaming of the buildings that are that hold Woodrow Wilson's name. The Atlantic has a link, and I'm going to share the link in the show notes to a website called thedemands.org. And like I mentioned, this country, there are conversations and things there are and movements and protests that are happening all over this country. If you think back to when the university, the Missouri players football team boycotted the game, you think about the, the graduate student who was at Mizzou who was doing, um, you know, going through a hunger strike. You think about what's happened at, I know Cornell students have given, have done, given a list of demands to the administration. You can go even further. Uh, there are 77 campuses, at least that, and those, at least those are the ones that we know about. 
campuses of all kinds of sizes from Ivy League schools to, um, you know, schools across the board that are demanding change at their school. And if you think about the civil rights movement, if you think about the movements that have happened in this country, they have come usually at the as a result of the effort and the voices of America's young people. And for these campuses to be rising up the way that they are, I have a friend who goes to, um, who goes to Iowa State and who has been involved in, in the same kinds of conversations and dialogues and protests and, and, um, you know, and conversations with the administration People are people are tired. And even when you think about the people who are following Donald Trump, there are people who are tired of what we know in this country. And people are fed up with being marginalized. People are being are fed up with being mistreated and overlooked and not recognized. And so between finding Jesus and and getting getting, you know, this these institutions and systems together, America has to do something and do something like quickly and do something thoughtfully and do it uh, and and take and take serious note of what people are asking for. So it is my hope that in whatever space you operate in, that you be the change. Um, and that you are not afraid to ask the challenging questions and are not afraid to push the envelope. You know, obviously don't put your job at risk. Don't put your safety at risk. But if you have to, depending on the situation, depending on the cause, um, you know, you be the one who, who doesn't stand for, you know, being overlooked, who doesn't stand for being ignored, even if it's just a matter of pushing your research proposal that has been rejected or, you know, looked at sideways and people are not really feeling you, make sure, ask different questions, ask to talk to somebody else. If there's a, uh, you know, a project that you want to work on at work, if there's a book that you want rent, that you want to, you know, have brought to campus or a speaker, any of those things, push, ask questions, challenge, be a change agent. That's one of the things that I, um, when I identify myself, I like to identify, identify myself as a change agent, because if you don't do it, you can't depend on somebody else to lead the change and be the change for you. And we are at the end of episode 23 of How Does She Do It? Thank you for listening. I want to read one of, a, one of the reviews I received in the iTunes store. If you haven't left a review, go to howdoesshedoitpodcast.com and you can um, find out how to leave a review there. And you can also just do it right from the podcast app. But anyway, it says just what we need. And it's from UBH23. And this is a five-star review. It is rare to find a podcast in which you can honestly learn something new each episode. That is until Tiffany came along, honest, relatable, inspirational. Her thoughts are the boosts uh, so many of us didn't know we needed. Thank you very, very much. Uh, like I said, these reviews are very affirming for me and they mean a lot because you number one you take out the time to do it you even when you don't leave a review obviously you download the episode you take the time to listen to me say the things that I say and when you leave a review it really helps me know that I am um, you know I'm saying something that is of use and of value and you might not always agree with it but I appreciate you riding with me anyway and 
entertaining the things that I have to share. And like I said, at any time, I'm always willing to hear and listen to the questions that you might have, answer them on the show. If you are interested, send an email to Tiffany at HowDoesSheDoItPodcast.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. And um, like I said earlier, just a reminder, you can now listen to the show on Google Play Music. Not the Google Play Store, but Google Play Music. Check it out there. If you uh, don't have an iPhone, you can also listen on Acast or Stitcher. And I am grateful for you. And until next time, be blessed and be a blessing. Peace. Peace.